Hey everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. Today, talking about season 19 of Top Chef Houston, uh, episode 7, titled awkwardly, Swallow the Competition. Oh, Was that no. the best they could do? I, this has been a weird se- season for episode titles. I don't know if they fired the old title episode titler, but the new titler. Has it been like, I like the the- Swallow we even doing here? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I like to think the old episode Tyler just got tenure, and this is like this is oh, their no, like you know in. Good luck trying to fire me now. <laughs> I mean, the episode really should be called Jurassic World Dominion TM, right? I mean, just they just, tried so hard to make it be like, but the quick fire is also important because that's the Houston part. And then yeah, right. How about just how about like swallow swallows a dinosaur or? So, I, I gotta say the word swallow is kind of intense in yeah. any it's what you do yeah. to food man it it's is what you do right? eventually but it's not the first step and that makes it weird it's like the most I, functional I part like of smoothie. eating That's yeah true. it's not the part of food that you look forward to yeah it's like right. you know? yes it's yeah, the yeah, more mechanical like, part it out swallow if I this contrivance like, to get the sponsor money <laughs> like <laughs> yeah I mean it should just be called bag of money and, and I Chris think that Pratt would be a solid one Top Chef fan we know this so and yeah, oh, yeah, but couldn't we, be you know, bothered to show up this time. Chips in that green room with his new wife. You know, okay, so let's get it. First, let me introduce the panel for you. I'm Alex, uh, joined in uh, by Megan here in Hollywood, California. Hi, Alex. Also, we're back from paradise, um, Nulia, back in Northern California. It's Ezra and Sarah. Aloha. Aloha. Okay. <laughs> she was right. saying, "Are Hello, you leaving?" Goodbye. Oh, okay. Okay. Also joining us from Brooklyn, New okay. York, it's Chris. And from lovely Burbank, California, rounding out the panel, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Happy Easter, guys. Good morning. Happy Easter. Um, before we start talking about the episode, one thing that I was thinking about from this episode was that Joe remembered vividly the 80s-inspired carrot dish served on Jurassic Park, That's the first wild. movie, which is mind. incredible. But also, do you guys have an other particularly memorable food thing in a movie that you would like to eat? I absolutely have this. I don't know yep. if I would like to eat it now, but at the time, it was from my best friend's wedding. That first dish that comes out in the first scene that Julia Roberts has to critique, it looked like – actually, it looked similar to this dish. There was like fillets of beef or something in like a pattern, like maybe a ring mold or something like that. And I will never forget that dish. Yeah, wow. it was so fancy. And also – Rewatching that movie, she's like 27 and the most feared food critic in Chicago. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I'm assuming I'm looking at this. Understated? She's like, is, it's, pulled, it's in a pile? The It's in a pyramid, round pyramid, it looks like? Yeah, something um, like this that. Is a, yeah, this is a very 80s plate of food, but... 90s. 90s, early 90s, yeah. But, I mean, I like a ring mold. I don't, I don't hate it. It's kind of fun. It's tall. I like tall. Uh, that is um, annoying that she's that I, successful. Twenty. I remember the, uh, the the everlasting gobstopper. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, that sounded good. Although, honestly, that movie traumatized me so much. I was afraid of all the candy. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to I die mean, in a chocolate river. They were all fine. Like a hero was fine. It was the blueberry. The blueberry. Oh, the blueberry was, scary. was bad. Yeah. Um. I. Uh, this is more recent than those movies, I think, for my memories. But remember in Spirited Away when her parents eat so much food they turn oh, into pigs? Yeah. That looked yeah. delicious. Would have gotten I was me. Like, 
Would have gotten me yeah. a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, it was like 100%. I would be a pig <laughs> all night. I never make it to the Spirit Away universe. I'm just the pig. I live here now. <laughs> you know, it Get, wasn't a movie. Ghibli draws... What? Oh, the, Sorry, the food is so good and all the Studio Ghibli. Yeah, Ghibli stuff. knows how to draw some food, man. Um, I was going to say, it's not a movie, but a book. Um, when I was a kid reading the Chronicles oh. of Narnia, I always thought Turkish Delight sounded amazing. Yeah, and that's lied to a whole generation of kids about yeah, that. so disappointing. Yeah, there's just a, a generation of children who discovered what rose water tastes like at the same time. Well, it just the, is oh, not no, my thing. This. But it just, it's not it was a lot of so people's good. thing. It was enough to make like children sin in that book. And it just, yeah. <laughs> it's not my thing. Definitely, definitely not betray your family good unless you're in like, you know, World War II ration style. Like I have not had anything sweet for a while. Well, right. Context right. is important, I guess. Yeah. That's, I guess that's, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deprivation is the best sauce, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a classic food critic Ezra quote. <laughs> Deprivation is the best sauce. Um, I also, this is drawn again. I don't like to do two animated examples, but I also, obviously the Ratatouille from the self-titled, the self-titled Ratatouille, I guess, from Ratatouille, the one that the, the mouse named it's Ratatouille the makes. the Ratatouille. No. Yes. What are you talking about? The rat's name is Remy. What movie are you watching, The rat's Alex? name is Ratatouille. Come Remy on. Ratatouille. No. It's an the signature <laughs> dish is Ratatouille. The titular <laughs> dish, not the titular rat. Well, okay. Look, what was his last name, though? Yeah, Remy is his nickname, but his full name is Ratatouille. Absolutely not. <laughs> if you're a rat who cooks food, your name should be Ratatouille. It's his chef name. His chef name. That one has a chef name. That's his Instagram <laughs> yeah. handle. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure, his Instagram handle. Uh, anyway, yeah, that the was it uh, Wolfgang Puck or uh, somebody who designed? Oh no, it was Thomas Keller. Thomas Keller, yeah, yeah. The the Thomas Keller designed animated Ratatouille sounds like a good time. Um. All right. Well, let's get into this episode. Let's jump in to yeah, after, our, our, after our Pixar spawn. We'll get to the spawn challenge episode of Top Chef. <laughs> yeah, I just thought we should bring in all of this money, Pixar money we get by describing Ratatouille. Um, not sponsored by Turkish Delight. Don't care for them as a group. Absolutely. We're lost out on all that good Rosewater money. Okay, so today Turkish Delight uh, for <laughs> how much sl- we're slandering them. <laughs> Uh, so uh, to open us up with a quick fire this week, Chef Kwame is back wearing a shirt and a pastoral scene at the same time, full on little pig on his shirt. Um, and he's here along with Houston chef Ope Amosa. Uh, both chefs are um, of Nigerian descent and they are here to talk about the large Nigerian population in Houston and introduce us to swallows, which are pull apart starchy business that you use to eat stews and sound real good. I, I like a pull-apart starchy business. That sounds like a lot of fun. Can, can you name any others that you know of off the top of your head? A bread? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> How about a second? <laughs> monkey bread? Okay, you got me. I think me. that's made out of monkey, so it's different. <laughs> different thing. Um, yeah, no, well, I love dipping a bread in a soup. I think is really great, and I do like pulling things apart. Anyway, doesn't that sound good? Why have soup if you can't have bread to go with it? Like, the mm, soup is a vehicle for bread. Not I love this. I I'm kind of like this. chicken and dumplings, but That's, the dumpling just, is yeah. You just yeah. put the bread in it. Chicken yeah. and the soup. You put right. the bread in it. How do you guys feel about a bread bowl? That's controversial in our house. I love them. <sighs> I like them I'm too. I mean, it's definitely Ooh, it's controversial too much in that house too. Food. It's too much food, but I love it. Yes, I yeah. agree with that. I never well, will finish here, the bread here's bowl. Here's what I'm positing: is the quality of a bread ball, bowl depends entirely on how quickly you can eat the soup out of the bread bowl. Because if you let it. 
Right, so yeah. it's so you get a bread That's bowl right. and a game. Sort of like a there's an incentive. Like, hey, if you eat this quick, it's bread. If you eat it slow, it ain't good. Well, <laughs> no, yeah, I think that plays into it. Worst. And yeah. it's also how much the bread bowl is scooped out because sometimes you get a bread bowl that's just like a little scoop that goes straight down. You got a lot of bread around it. Yeah, I don't want to eat a whole loaf of bread yes. with a plug soup of soup. Is way more yes. expensive than bread. I'm just gonna. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's also this is bread that's known for its structural integrity, not for its tastiness, usually. Mm-hmm. But that's so frequently true. Although, yeah. it's, if you leave a lot of the bread because of inflation, then it's actually probably pr- going to hold up pretty well. <laughs> um, I, I just like, I like a br- bread with a soup flavor is really nice or a stew flavor. So, in this case, the chefs have to draw knives for their swallow. Um, and they're given the swallow. They don't have to learn how to make a swallow in, in 10 minutes. Um, but Buddha, Jackson, and Luke are all working with the yam-based Eon. Joe, Evelyn, and Jay are pairing with plantain-based Amala. And Ashley, Damara, and Nick get cassava-based Eba. Just um, just a quick point. And I don't... We had further confirmation yeah, that please. Jackson has not recovered his sense of taste. We were talking yes. about that. I, and like the fact that he still can't taste is still a problem. And he's like... Yeah, it is. It's not, a it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's such a problem that he's been on the top I six know. or seven times. <laughs> I, and this one was the craziest one because this one was the time where he was tasting food he'd never experienced yeah. before, and uh, then and figuring out how to pair it. Before, yeah. I guess I, I don't know. Like what? <laughs> this, <it laughs> this was so nuts. Like continues to be unclear whether he has told any of his fellow chef testants that this is the yes. case. It's the yeah, only question up- I have during the episode. Like, I'm constantly like, do they know he can't taste when he's talking to his teammates at a team-based challenge? Because they're like, what did you think of these flavors? And he's like, it's interesting. Like, he, he like, <laughs> talks yes. around it in a very interesting way where you can't, I can't come up with an answer. And it could be editing. He could have just been like, hey, guys, I still have some taste-related issues. Like, just so you know, I might be asking you to taste my dishes more, but they've yeah, never Everyone's shown it. so busy with the challenge, they yeah. don't realize he's like the polite dinner guest talking around the flavor. And, you know, like, nobody's nobody's called it out, him out on it yet. And I'm really, really intrigued to see how far it's going to go. I'm super curious. Hannah wrote in about this and just, like, pointed out that he had been hedging pretty hard when Evelyn asked him, or asked him to taste something. And I, yeah, I guess you're a bit too busy on the challenge to notice somebody hedging. Probably because they a lot of the time hedge when you're like, hey, how is this? And they're like, I think it's good. What do you think? Like, because they don't want to be responsible for your dish. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just plays it off that way. But I think that is pretty solid confirmation he hasn't told people because there's no way she would have gone to him. Also him asking about the cake, too, during the elimination challenge because he like doesn't cook with five spice. And he was asking how the spice yes. came through. Yes. Like it, there were. I mean, so, this is this is like I, I now have to rewatch the whole season and like break down, like I make my crazy right. board with like all the things he said in the moments. Yeah, yeah, beautiful I, mind. I think of all you guys are. Related. I think you guys are taking the bait. I think this is a huge editing ploy, and at the end, they're going to reveal that everybody knew. And it was fine okay, and not a big are deal. Are you one of those okay, well, wonder can actually see people? Like, <laughs> is that is that what I'm <laughs> No, I think she's one of those, everyone knows the Stevie Wonder can't see kind of people. I think that's the, uh, I mean, one of the people. The, the <laughs> biggest question is why would he hide this? It's not yeah. like, except for in group challenges where it can easily be remedied by someone else tasting his food. There's no reason he right. needs and to hide it. Restaurant Wars is I mean, next he can be a little embarrassed, so... I mean, we, yeah, we definitely well, might learn something in front of the house for sure. Oh, no, you're, you're right. Like front of position, I think. I think he's going to oh, be front man. of house. It looked like it, that from the preview. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I, okay, well, regardless of whether or not other people know, 
he has got to be the most fascinating storyline in Top Chef history. Not that I like want to hang out with him the most in that sense, but just like him not being able to taste and going six for the first seven in the top is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's it, absolutely it's unbelievable. It's so incredible. I'm like, I guess the memory memory gets you a long ways is what this is is proving to me. And also, yeah, I guess so. Probably people are being really great and honest with him about how like salty his food is. Right. Yeah. I mean, the fact he that said, he hasn't once just like gone a little overboard on salt, and not noticed. He's he did say yeah. at one point that he could like sense salt yeah. levels or something. Yeah. Like, oh, like he said, yeah. you're right. Like some sense of taste to like to that extent like the hardwired tongue tastes he can get but yeah. the like scent back of your tongue yes, taste exactly. you can't you're right so at least he knows salty well and saltiness. for this quick fire he said like i just put as much spice as possible in this and hopefully <laughs> well that was like, one of the works. themes of this was you can't over spice a dish for this tasting panel mm-hmm. um because uh uh Damar, I believe, went ham with the scotch bonnets, and they were like, they didn't even notice. Yeah, they mentioned it a little bit, like, oh, you definitely put some spice in there, and he was sweating bullets before that about it. Yeah, I mean, scotch bonnet is a gnarly I think Nigerian food is really spicy, I think is what's up. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too, and obviously, we know Padma loves a really spicy dish, too, so that was a spicy panel. Um, let me to give you, give you the results of the challenge. Nick ends his winning streak by adding too much tamarind that they do. They can handle as much spice, but they do not like too much sweet. Um, so he had too much sweet to his okra and Evelyn's flavor overpowered her dish, which is a very strange criticism. (laughs) What did the flavor overpowered the, what is the flavor? It overpowers what? I think it might have been like how much crab she put in it. Cause like when she was describing it, I was like, Oh, this sounds really good. But maybe if like the, they were expecting like a chicken wing dish and then it came out really like crabby with so many like ingredients inside. Yeah. I, I think that what they meant to say was part of the dish over flavored another part, but instead it was just overpowered the, the, the dish overpowered the dish, which is just a yeah. crazy, a know. crazy sentence. Um, uh, on top though, as we mentioned, Jackson makes an ugly, uh, an ugly orange goo covered fish, which apparently tastes great. And that's actually even weirder because his sense of sight is perfect. So he should have noticed it was a weird looking fish. Um, I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> it is kind of fun. It yeah. looks like um, it crystallized. It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this fish is frozen in amber, but like gooey amber. And see, he tied uh, it into the elimination challenge where exactly. everyone right. wanted this that he didn't even know about yet. Yeah, <laughs> and they kept wanting the food to look more fun, even though that wasn't a rule we had explained to I us. Know, I know, I know. Okay, we're going to come back to that. Um, Damar is also the top of the pack and the top of the Scoville scale with his scotch bonnet and shrimp. Um, but it seems like maybe you can't outheat this judging panel, as I mentioned, but... Most importantly, Buddha notches his second quickfire win, which comes with immunity and a free Nigerian nickname, Buddha Chuku. That's fun. Hey, he anybody try to figure out what that means? I did a little bit. I did as much as I could. Um, it might be a girl's name, meaning Almighty God, but I might have misheard. It's hard to tell. Hmm. That would be kind of a weird nickname for him, I think. But you know, I really loved this quickfire. This was another one where I. I understand that Bravo needs money, but I really wish this had been the main challenge. Yeah. Because yeah. it was Or tied into a main like Yeah, because it was two it Nigerian was, challenges. That would be so cool. Like I had no idea 
there was a huge Nigerian population in Houston. That was a really cool thing to know. And it was really cool to learn um, about a type of cuisine that's been like really not represented on this show at all. And like, then you have a local chef and a like beloved top chef alum. It just seemed like all of the parts were there to make a really cool elimination challenge. And instead they're like, you know what? We have to get someone to the Universal City Walk for the premiere of Jurassic World Dominion. (laughs) What fun they're going to have there. Woof. Mm-hmm. Under the <laughs> giant minion's gaze. <laughs> well, that, that part's fun. You get to look up a minion. Well, you don't know. Like, there is a giant minion on set for most seasons of Top Chef. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They There's, all have to like, kiss the minion's undercarriage to get out into the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just That's like, just how right, it works. Right behind the Houston doors. Yeah, it's like it's like when you hit the, the, the sign for good luck at like a sports venue when you come out of the tunnel or whatever. They just they walk up, they kiss them, and then you're in. Wow. You cook. And Padma's waiting for you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I think I definitely agree about the elimination challenge, but um, it was a very cool quick fire, and I like seeing everybody be like stoked about it. No, no one was like. Sometimes people on this show gripe about having to do, like, when they do the big map and you have to grab a country and be like, "I've never heard of it." And these people were like, "Well, yeah, t- tell me, get in here. I want to hear about this." Well, they did a class too. It was it was like the night market. They actually had people who were experts there, and they explained the flavor profiles and some of the ingredients and we have no idea how long the time was for that portion but it was like actually giving a little bit of context so you had some place to start from and that's really cool too i feel like this show does such a good job of it can do such a good job of introducing different types of cuisines and different types of cooking techniques that a lot of us might not be familiar with and it's i love it when it can be educational as well as entertaining and it's cool to see the chefs get into that too yeah. Totally, yeah, and I, I and they that. they got the uh, they got the history or they got they got to talk about the how the swallows work, and they also Colin was like, let me get let me show you the spice rack. Let's go to the spices mm-hmm. and like walk them through a bunch of different spices to use. And I also like that the the dishes they were making are mostly stews, and so they all have their own background in stews. But here's like a different set of flavor profiles, so everyone like did pretty well. Even the ones that didn't go great was just like a a, a, a skosh too much tamarind. Otherwise, were great. So. It like set everyone up to succeed making a cuisine they'd not made before, and I thought it was really fun. This is up there with the doppelganger elimination. It's like best challenge so far this season. Like the, this it's is fun. yeah, just yeah. Can, like the way it was structured, the way it both is like something to test the chefs and something to watch. Uh, I think is the the elite level of Top Chef uh, production that we we sort of expect from them now. And then it was yeah. paired with yeah. one of the most dog turd challenges. Okay. All right. All right. We want to yeah, talk Kyle, about the dog I, turd I agree. elimination. We'll get in. We'll, let's get into that. Chris, final thoughts on the quick fire? Oh, I was just going to say I agree. And uh, and I think really top the, the top chef that we re- really like would have been better served by, you know, flipping what's of course. the quick fire. Of course. I think we see this or a lot. Or pairing a, a Talenti pairing of... Uh, <laughs> A duo <laughs> sponsorship with with this with a dinosaur. Oh, yeah, kind of get it. Oh, that's yeah. such a good idea. Yeah, if there's like an episode called like "Plug Your Nose, Take Your Check," and then they like they go through all the spawn con in one day. You know what? Though? I love that. The one thing I have to say uh, for this episode is like Padma tried her damnedest to really sell the notion that this was a good thing and cool for Top Chef, and that she loved this franchise, and she really every, like like what a star. Kind of, Joe Flam coming out in that costume looking like angry already. <laughs> Who? 
Ashley couldn't <laughs> recognize him when he had a hat on, which is so funny. And a kerchief. Like, what? Yeah. Can you imagine when they pitch this to him? Like, hey, come back to Top Chef to present. Like, yeah. And they're like, great. But okay, you have more to thing. wear. <laughs> this, is your, uh, this is your outfit for he the day. He should have dressed as Laura Dern, and that would have been even more fun, I think. That's the more iconic costume. No, the I, most well, iconic okay. costume is... Uh, Oh, oh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum and, with his blouse open. You're right. The totally untouched Okay, that would have been solid, too. But wouldn't it also have been great if Joe Flam ran out in one of those inflatable T-Rex costumes and was like, wah, 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 and then, like, it deflates and it's Joe Flam? That'd be so fun. Yeah. And be like, oh, I know who Joe Flam is, but obviously inside an inflatable dinosaur, he's unrecognized. Exactly. Like, and everybody that is. So you, sense versus that's Joe Flam in a hat. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's weird to have hat blindness where it just like completely blocks out the rest of the face for somebody. But this is a good lesson to people out there who are thinking about wearing a bad hat is it really does throw people off. Oh, sorry. Did people recognize him or not? Because I definitely did not. <laughs> we were just talking about how weird it is that people actually couldn't recognize him in a hat. Oh, no, I definitely could not. <laughs> I didn't get him in the preview. I didn't get him like, ow. Nope. Sorry. So funny. Um, all right. Wait, so now the neckerchief's blindness also, for the record. It's true. Mm-hmm. It, it's it definitely There's a lot of that. stuff going on. He's got a very okay, well, let's talk about this dog turd of a challenge. Um, <laughs> okay, so first, what is that rumbling in the distance? Is it, a, is it the footfall of a giant extinct animal? No, it's a dump truck full of money backing up from the Universal lot to the Top Chef studio set to make all of these amazing chef pret- chefs pretend it's not weird to do a challenge based on the sixth movie in a dinosaur franchise. Sixth? This is the third Jurassic World movie, so the sixth overall Jurassic Park movie. Oh. Allegedly, what? and I will say this is the only bit of good news, the final Jurassic Park movie. Allegedly. That's what they claim. Please, I mean, people change their mind all the time about that, but supposedly this is the end of the franchise. I think, Caleb, in a million, you know, million years or so, 65 million years, they'll find like some uh, like blood from uh, a mosquito that like uh-huh. sucked on a moviegoer, and they'll make yeah. another bunch. I, I, I think they will have. They were going to find a screenwriter encased in amber. <laughs> <laughs> that might well be it. I don't know that they're putting as much work into the writing at this point. I I think you just like. It's just well, people will go see more dinosaurs. The, like, what was the whole reboot of the franchise? Was like, all right, Chris Pratt and one of the dinosaurs can swim, and that was the whole premise. That was enough. They just keep reopening this franchise that kills people. Anyway, um, <laughs> good news is it's almost over. The other good news is the chefs will actually be cooking in the Natural History Museum, which is a real thing and not a movie, and is not sponsoring and has dinosaurs, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, but here's the thing: like, with a slight tweak, you could make this more Houston because. Isn't like paleontology a, a big field in Texas? Like, aren't that where? Isn't that where a lot of the the dinosaur bones are? Yeah. I believe yeah, that she like mentioned that Quetzalcoatlus was from there. What? It's n- nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Uh, somebody well, might have heard there, that. Like places where there's a lot of oil, there's also a lot of dinosaurs. Oh, that's true. Yeah, right. Yeah. The whole yeah. industry like fossil is fuels yeah. And fossil fuels. You're right. You're right. Oh yeah. It, Look. There's definitely if they went to a dig site or something, or they had they talked to a person who had dug up dinosaur, but like they definitely could have made it a Houston tie-in. Oh, but plus, plus, I mean, we, I mean, so we we binged everything before, then. so we saw like the you know, the great women of Texas. You could also say how like you know, despite all the great women in Texas, there's still a lot of antiquated you know dinosaur age ideas there. That's so true, oh. so true. <laughs> Lots of tie-ins. Yeah, th- that would not have left enough time for Chris Pratt and his new wife to phone it in. That's you, not his new wife. They are not married. Star. 
co-star, whatever. Um, There's, if, it's you, a completely just, different thing. It's different nepotism. His <laughs> wrong married, white lady. Arnold he's Schwarzenegger's ma- daughter. Yeah, he's married to a Schwarzenegger. That's not anyway. Howard. Ron Howard's daughter. Yeah, his wife oh. is on the home edit with him. His co-star <laughs> is on Top Chef with him. But but okay, I don't follow this sort of thing very often, but is this not a different wife than we saw last time he was on Top Chef? Yeah, that getting was married? Uh, yes. Washington's own Anna Ferris before, and they have right. gotten divorced, yeah. and now he is married to Catherine Schwarzenegger, and I hate that I know all of this, but that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're Anna Ferris people in our house. Oh, yeah. yeah Team Ferris, for sure. Um, I like that you just assume if, if he's with a woman, he must be married to her. I just people had mentioned like about him being not married to Anna Ferris anymore. Um, and <laughs> okay, I, so a not Anna Ferris woman must be married to her. So look, I just don't care. This whole thing is so <laughs> stupid. Um, wait, anyway, wait, the chef. We're not leaving Chris Pat yet because <laughs> Sarah <laughs> uh, mentioned watching this. Is has there ever been a bigger heel turn between visits on Top Chef than Chris Pratt in the Seattle season? Yeah, and Chris well, Pratt now, like in terms of stuff that's happened off screen, because like we were like, Chris Pratt, we love, so charming and so funny in the Seattle one. Yes. And now it's like the public perception uh, has definitely taken a turn. Uh, I mean, there are other ones. I mean, jo- that's not what this podcast is about. It's about positivity and light. But it was really like the It is the weird. Vibe it is weird. <laughs> Although I do, I will, I guess, point out John Besh turned into literally a yeah. ghost in between. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's bigger. <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> I, he was um, such a ghost, I forgot about him. But for a non-chef, this is probably the biggest heel turn on this show. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, it is funny because it was such a... And he, we had done this whole episode hanging out with him. And then this one was just like, hey, I'm on a movie set. Cook for me. And then he left. It was a very brief Chris uh, uh, Pratt appearance. Um, let me tell you guys what you have to actually have to do today. So the three teams of three will be making a three course meal based on three different dinosaurs. The first course, of course, inspired by Mosasaurus, a famous water dinosaur that apparently can eat a whole crab pot right off the side of a crab boat, which we know because they showed us that clip of the movie 19 times. (laughs) Every time someone served it, they're like, well, look at him. He's eating that crab pot again. Um, The second course is based on Quetzalcoatlus, an air dinosaur who was named by somebody while they had their mouth full of food and is worth over 200 points in Scrabble. Wow. Also, you do get immunity if you can spell it right on the first try. It's kind of fun. Um, and then the third course is based on Velociraptor, a dinosaur that lives in commercial kitchens. Looking at the Chris? dossiers, too, <laughs> it's not just any Velociraptor. It's the character Blue slash Velociraptor from the Jurassic World trilogy. Like, uh, they wrote the character's name <laughs> only on that one. Well, because the other ones are <laughs> characters. But they say, well, who is that to help clarify? Is it so that chefs, you know, Blue, the character you, no, love you guys all know Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, she's a uh, velociraptor. Blue loves Turkish delight. <laughs> wait, wait. Can we get Blue to guest star in Blue's Clues? <laughs> Pretty please. Welcome to Blue's Clues. Our normal Blue episode. is sick today, so we brought in um, from the Jurassic World Dominion franchise, Blue. <laughs> She is a clever girl. She is. I'm sure she can do a lot of things. A very good point. Um, The brown team is basically flawless, so they are all in the top, and they win. Um, That includes Evelyn's pork tenderloin, inspired by raptors somehow. Nick's really cute crab croquette on a little golf tee, which is inspired by that uh, clip. I don't know if you guys remember this, of Quetzalcoatlus eating a whole crab pot off the side of a crab boat. (laughs) Also, and then also Jackson, who literally can't smell defeat, uh, notches his sixth top and third win in seven episodes. He cooks a Velociraptor's favorite food, fudge cake. 
we all know Velociraptors love fudge, right? They're well, like, no, oh, I, I it's need Blue's more favorite food. Blue yeah. specifically loves uh, a that's fudge That's in can. Blue's writer. Uh, Blue uh, <laughs> said she wouldn't appear in Dominion if she didn't have fudge cakes every day on set. Also in her writer, no blue M&Ms. Weird. Mm. You know the reason for that, by the way? I mean, oh, yeah. it's also not real, right? No, no, no that no, one is real. absolutely real. There's a real good reason for it. So there is a whole bunch of like really um, very specific uh, electrical um, like yeah. like requirements they had. I've heard this story, and I've also believe I'm pretty sure I've read um, debunkers of this story. Oh, well, that's I boring. I don't know this. Okay, well, okay, sorry. Uh, this okay, let's hear, Kyle, let's hear tune the in. Story, uh, yeah. then we'll hear. Alex yeah, Alex checks. It, and then well, no, I just this is a vague thing because the internet is just all bunk and debunk, and let's so get it's to the story. <laughs> okay, so basically, was it Van Halen? It was it was some huge yes. rock band, right? Well, let's just say yes. Uh, so, so I'm gonna mess up which band it was, but yeah. So there was a lot of like very specific uh, electrical requirements. Basically, they had um, for all this, um, and you know, for safety reasons, and they're basically saying like, look, we have a big ass rider. Um, we can't actually check all the different like um, uh, you know, bits of equipment uh, before we go out there to know if it's safe or not. So we'll just see like, oh, we'll just go to see if the M&Ms, you know, do they re- actually read the rider really carefully? Are the M&Ms there or not in the bowl? And that was their sort of like um, their sort of thin slice, their check basically to see like, did they do everything right? And if they like, if they say the bowl has blue M&Ms or whatever it was. It was, it was um, brown M&Ms. Brown M&Ms. If you got a writer like that, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to divide this up. We'll give the electrical stuff yeah, this, to like this person. This is the right reason why this is... part to this person, and then you don't know if those yeah. two it's people not, did it's not a good thing. canary. It's not, that I, it's not that I would think that. That's absolutely how it works. There's a, an intern who has to run and buy Van Halen some M&Ms, and right. there's an electrician in the union who's running around doing all the rigging. But, but even then, you have someone who's reading the writer closely enough to divide up the tasks and assign them to people that's a really good sign compared to i don't know we're ready to go i guess there's like, a food person and an electrician and i just don't believe that that i just i think this is nonsense look look I, look look they're rock musicians they're not like project managers this is yes. the best idea they had okay <laughs> this is definitely a, a an idea a, a basis came up with and everyone just like lost it's their the minds. most basest idea for sure <laughs> Um, anyway, all right, moving on from M&M's and, uh, Am I brown racist? M&M's, so my joke didn't even work. Um, okay. Uh, blue, blue M&M's probably didn't even exist. It was probably too new brown. Well, so then he got his wish. No blue M&M's. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, by the way, and I'm sorry if, if this comes up later, but if the, whatever PA they got or whatever device they got to, uh, vibrate Padma's water before the first dish was coming out, that was fantastic. Uh, he that was, was it, that it was, was a good cool. amount of vibration, but the, sh- all the, sh- the judges going like, uh, like oh, yeah. it was really dumb. Okay. Professional food tasters, not professional actors, <laughs> but um yeah i also uh notable about these top dishes i should point out is that um the fudge cake was covered in fake blood and was really gross which turned out to be the number one criteria tom was judging on despite never telling anybody that oh my god that was was wild every time a plate came out he's like why weren't the bones crushed up on the side (laughs) (laughs) did you ever think about making it look like a horror show did that occur to you jackson's because that's the rule one of our chefs got murdered and this is blood (laughs) and tom's like yay give me more finally <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe Tom saw an earlier draft of the challenge brief, you know, or maybe this know. was like Tom's baby, and he's like, "It'll be great. They'll do really dinosaury things. I love oh, it." Yeah. <laughs> this is like Tom's one challenge this season, and it didn't pan out. <laughs> it did, it, there was something in the translation. 
I think think that Tom's favorite is also that Snow White challenge that we all love so much. Yeah. Snow White, right? Yeah, it was was the uh, the Charlize Theron, um, also a a spawn con, but like one of the most fun spawn cons we've done. Yeah, that was a good one. I don't, I don't, can't think of another time one's worked as well. I mean, when they do like the Olympic spawn con for yeah, when, the Olympics was okay. Like every, anything well, that's sort of like NBC. Yeah, times. making Paul Key chip something out of a big block of ice totally no, worked. The, okay, not that right, Olympic not ones. That I was one. thinking the Olympic one in Los Angeles, but that one was insane, and I hated it. <laughs> that was so bad. Um, but but I guess the really big question about this Jurassic World one is: is this worse than Trolls World Tour? Oh my god! Because that was a that terrible one. one. You guys remember. liked the Trolls movie, well, but we we like Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, that right. thing. Kelly Clarkson elevates that a lot more. And it was an was that an elimination challenge or a quick fire? Quick I think fire. it was. Oh, that was a quick, quick fire. fire. Yeah. Was, yeah, and Kelly was there, and I that was early pandemic. Also, I so I think yeah, you know, I was yeah, a little tender. That, it was the appropriate place for that challenge, and. A great spokesperson. Yeah. I don't remember the food at all, so I don't know what that means. But I didn't, I didn't hate it. Um, at Leprechaun on Twitter uh, said, do we have a new Tom persona? Bloodthirsty Tom. <laughs> I'm looking for evidence of a kill, Tom said, <laughs> which is pretty weird. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was an intense version of Tom. I kind of like it. I like an arbitrary rule set that the chefs don't know about, but like, Part of me kind of wants to see Tom try and act. I mean, I wonder if, like, if you could do, like, a oh. weird, goofy, like, procedural. You have seen him act. Well, you I have, have seen him yes, act. Yes, he has been in Billions, but he's not actually acting. He's playing himself. You've also, I, well, maybe you haven't yet, but he's also appeared several times on Treme. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's as true. himself. I just, um, I just mean, like. A and nice, I will like, say, from the Treme, because Treme has a bunch of chefs, including Eric Repair and a bunch of other, like, they hang out in a group. And Tom is the most natural of those chefs in that group. He's by far the most, the best actor of that group, which is not to say the best actor in the show, but of the chefs, I thought Tom was the best. Oh, I thought David Chang was a better. Oh, that's true. Chang shows up later. Chang, David Chang is great on that show as himself, but Tom is better in that first group. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see him play himself. I want to see him cook up some character that is like a chef detective and be uh, like a former weird. chef, current detective, Ooh, chef detective. A yeah. mystery. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> Welcome to Pack Your Trombones, a podcast discussing the hit show, Treme. <laughs> well, first of all, I really do like Treme, but, um, and we've been re-watching it recently, and it's really a delight. Um, but second of all, I would like to get in touch with Tom's people and see if he will like <laughs> co-author with me um, Chef Tective. There you go. There you go, a Alex. food mystery. Free pitch. Yeah. I think I think he'd be happy to... He'll put his name on pizza anything. NFTs. Like That guy will put his name on anything. I bet Tom would co-author this book with me. It'll be Tom Colicchio with Alex Falcone in a food mystery. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but then the Wait, bottom- not mystery food. Mystery Ooh, food, is mystery, actually, mystery, mystery, mystery meat, the mystery, Ooh, mystery meat, the yeah. evidence of a kill. Evidence of a kill. Um, All right. Uh, In the bad news for the chefs, the red team is on the bottom, except for Buddha, who wins somehow. This is a weird one for deciding who gets credit for tops and bottoms because they had two teams that were equally bad, but each one had one person who was incredible. So they decided the red team loses except Buddha, who had immunity but also didn't need it because he made an incredible looking dish. Mm -hmm. Um, The judges all loved Um, Joe and Jay. Both have the one syllable J name curse, and they are both uh, the 
disasters any um as they they they're the uh, they're ext- they had the extinction level uh dishes yes thank you oh thank that's you. pretty good there was a, the Ooh, red team experienced nice. an extinction level event um the quail air dinosaur inspired and lamb land dinosaur inspired are both um pretty much bad in all of the ways but joe's had one problem that jay didn't because her sauce was quote wiped of its identity which yeah, that's not great it's a long movie that's total recall <laughs> <laughs> I, well, this is how the killer gets away with it in our story, Mystery Meat, Evidence of a Kill, is they wiped the food of all their identities so you couldn't track them. It's not bad. Any, anyway, Joe's uh, uh, eliminated for that. Um, quail overcooked sauce with no identity. And then glazed carrots inspired by Jurassic Park that have no glaze and are not roasted. Um, oh, and uh, again, the good news is this franchise is dead, so we don't have to do this again. Don't. For now, yeah, that's what they thought about the dinosaurs, Alex. <laughs> I will say though, uh, credit to Dewanda Wise who had to be there, like uh, repping the actors in the franchise. She was super charming. She had some nice things to say, and like yeah, they did. asked her about her role in the movie, and with a straight face, she had to explain it. And you know what? Good job. <laughs> oh, yep. she, she was, did great. She also knew her food, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she was a yeah. good like guest judge. It's just mm-hmm. a shame that she's in a movie that I'm sure is bad and also that well, you know, this was a bad challenge. Also, wait, I forgot about this. This made me realize when Sarah, based on what um, Tom's response is, so she was like, I'm a black market like dinosaur dealer. Mm-hmm. And Tom was like, Oh, so you're selling like like dinosaur bones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, This is like the one place where that no. would not be a situation, right? They're selling actual <laughs> yeah. dinosaurs. Does, does Tom understand what's going on in <laughs> Jurassic World that they're alive? I don't think no, he, he thinks it's. I don't no, think yeah. he was there when Padma narrated the trailer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was very fun. That Tom doesn't seem to totally follow it. Um, also, Tom had kind of an interesting day because in the end, he seemed like he really preferred to send Jay home. And normally, Tom wins in those arguments, but he did not today. Everyone, every single other person up there was like, "It was Joe, man. It's Joe. Yeah, Joe, it's Joe, it's Joe." I mean, overcooking quail is pretty much an elimination level event but every time. Well, it, it also pretty much happens most times. Like quail yeah. and squab, those small birds, they're just easy to overcook. Yeah. So I don't know that it was like. I think it's an understandable mistake, but between that, the carrots and the stuffing, just the end result was the worst dish. It was sad too. Cause I, you know, I felt like with the edit we got about of Joe this season, it seemed like she was going to have more of a turn than this. It seemed like she was going to play an important role later on from the early edits. And then she, she double eliminated today. She kind of summed up her journey with a lot of like uh, poise and like se- external awareness at the end of how yeah Yeah, it was like one of the healthiest like (laughs) elimination interviews i feel like we've seen where she's like you know what i was middle of the pack all the way through and this was not my best work so it makes total sense like i'll keep working like she (laughs) she felt like she just couldn't break through to the next level she understood she was like in a place where she was just running into a hurdle that she didn't make it over and she's I, take I also throw. think being middle of the pack with a group of chefs is good. Like she said, is really impressive. Yeah. Um, being better than half of the chefs in this group every time is great. I mean, it's not as good as winning, but it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah, she didn't feel like a like she she knew she belonged there. It was just yeah. not the right. I don't know, com- like the the combination of circumstances. The the petri dish wasn't conducive to her growth. 
My other main question coming out of this was, did Buddha buy an entire alligator at Whole Foods? <laughs> I think he got one shipped. Yes. Him, you could just have an alligator show up. I mean, there was no one else just bought an alligator, but Buddha just ordered a whole alligator at some point. I suspect you can make requests of production and they'll let you know if it's doable. Like if it's a special ingredient that's not within like the normal the normal preview of whole right. food. Yeah. I bet they can make like there's a, a budget for it or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. although, you know, you, you could just have a, a local Houston alligator franchise that has a relationship with whole foods like local yeah you you can get it but it was funny to me that it came whole yeah which is to say like oh yeah we don't prepackage that you can have the whole thing i mean maybe it's like the um tamale guy in our neighborhood who just has a bell and walks around at the same time every day maybe there's just an alligator delivery guy happens to be walking by the top chef production lot every day i I like the picture As like a newspaper boy, or just like you're hucking, hucking it at people's doors. <laughs> just, the just a whole alligator in a bag, without, without skin, in a bag. <laughs> Whether you want, you order it. That's just happening <laughs> every morning. You just hope you can use it. I just <laughs> knock, knock. Want some? Oh, like, Mrs. Just... Graham, you still owe me 35 cents from last week's gator. <laughs> extra, extra. <laughs> Eat all about it. Okay. I want to be doing, like, ho- there's still a couple more episodes, but like, Houston is way closer to new orleans than any other sort of like culinary scene in america and i don't think that that sort of aspect of houston has been touched on whatsoever no creole yeah sort of thing the creole the sort of like sort of the the nick food of of it right where like just sort of that deep south mississippi delta type of yeah it's you know it's just i think that's one thing that i wish there would be a little bit of room for to sort of showcase that identity as well because I, 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 that looks tasty on screen for me. And that's the sort of thing of like, if Gator is like available in the Whole Foods in Houston, or if like Alligator is yeah, like that a would common be ingredient around there, I'd like to know. Um, a uh, couple other quick thoughts from the listeners, separate from Mailbag, just to like, while we're on this topic, uh, everybody seems unified in hating the spawn con of the episode. Um, Ren says, I was a little surprised there wasn't an overall winner of the elimination challenge though. So I do think that is kind of interesting that they gave three wins for this challenge. There's a lot of tickets available for that premiere. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. You're totally right. Um, uh, also at Jake MHS on Twitter says, uh, flam looked like he wanted to sink into the ground when he walked at, walked out in that outfit. Maybe that's why you didn't Im- recognize him as it was the embarrassment on his face. <laughs> he has like a natural um, ability to make himself unrecognizable in times of extreme discomfort. Oh, that's useful. <laughs> like an cloud thing. Yeah, that would yeah, be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Ability. Like a squid. Yeah. In, in, in response to that, I will say that uh, I was delighted that he was so delighted once he had the opening courses of, of the meal. And he's like, oh, well, this food's all really good. Yeah. The opening course, everybody nailed that. Um, yeah. Mosasaurus. Mosasaurus. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone nailed Mosasaurus. Um, Jake also says Padma being able to deliver the ad copy with a straight face is worthy of an Emmy. Oh, so Tom maybe can't act, but Padma can. And then she was she, like, this is a great, scary movie to go to with your family. And just <laughs> like, Padma, stop. Like, you got, they paid for it. It's done. You don't have to do more. She hit the points like it was a damn drum. Um, And then I, I think maybe like a actual 
this is this is more of an actual con- um, suggestion for this episode that might have made it make more sense as a challenge, not with the SpawnCon. But Axel Steele on Twitter says, and I believe Axel's first time writing into us, um, says, um, I wish they had staggered the, cor- the courses so that each could prepare a dil- different element for each course. So like one would do sea, air, land, and then the other one do air, land, sea, and the third would be land, air, sea. So instead of it being like all the sea dishes together and all the land dishes together, you could have different progressions and different yeah. orders of it. I think I like that a lot. It, that might be a little hard for the judges to keep track of, but I like the idea. Yeah, I, I think it is harder because like in general, the sea stuff's going to be a little lighter. Air, if you're going with a bird, you know, is going to be like middle and then like the land-based protein would be heaviest. They didn't so expect it to be Slash fudge cake. They, they definitely did cake. this assuming no one would do a dessert. So it'd be like that <laughs> tradition, like if they want to progress yeah. the menu. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish they had, I wish they had had a third or a fourth course that ever uh, the teams had to combine nice. for called Cookiosaurus. Oh, yeah. Dessertosaurus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah. They just had like some goofy dinosaur loves cake. All right, and then let's get into Last Chance Kitchen. So um, Joe went out for all the ba- for the bad stuffed quail. So Tom tells all the chefs to stuff it. Um, Joe, really, just stuff anything with anything. It was a pretty wide open challenge. Joe <laughs> undercooks her squash and then scoops food into it, which is kind of like stuffing. And then Sarah um, saves her butcher scraps and makes an ugly dumpling that turns out to be a handsome swan. And so she gets her fourth win. Pretty good. In Last Chance Kitchen. Um, giant swan that dumpling was like an empanada it was a big dump yeah I'm, for sure i am not a big fan of glutinous rice uh dumplings i haven't had it too much but i i i am i'm happy for sarah because i love her like chaotic messy energy yes. wait a second kyle what about ice cream mochi yes okay, counterpoint but, but i don't <laughs> I think of that mochi. as like yeah a glu- like i i don't think of it in the same way of like a, the way this comes out because it's i get you but that's a glutinous right dumpling i'm gonna say from now on it is it's a sweet dumpling which i like <laughs> i like a chewy dump i don't know i think it sounds fun <laughs> Right, go for it. But I agree. I also think Sarah is a delight. Especially she was like Tom comes out here like a bloodhound for food flaws. Mm-hmm. She was good. <laughs> she, she has the best one liners. Yeah, that's yeah. real good. Yeah. Um, although I did actually like uh, Joe's explanation of how all these competitions works, where she was like, the, like you make a decision really fast, and then you spend the rest of your thirty minutes second guessing yourself. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Ugh, what what a brutal competition to do. Um. Is there anything else we got on stuffing? Is that all on stuffing? Wow, no one, no one cares. That's fine. We, it's, we get fine. It. it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Stuffed crust okay. pizza. Actually, I have I have one last thing. I thought yes. it was interesting that when Joe was summarizing how she thought she did before judging, she mentioned her clean station. Oh yeah, like, like a checkbox. Like I did good, which I don't think I've ever heard before. We've heard other people throw some shade at Sarah's messiness, yeah. but not yeah. say like, oh, Tom, it, it's not like the way Tom loves a bloody footprint. He also loves a clean station. It didn't seem like it was Handprint. a judging criteria before. Let's yes. let's make it clear. I think he would have been a lot less excited if there was a bloody bare foot <laughs> on the plate. Well, it's a because, velociraptor. What, how do you know that that was a hand from foot. a raptor? But, well, that would have been a human foot. Um, <laughs> that's a lot less appetizing. <laughs> Well, look, first of all, that's how we catch the killer is we match the tread pattern on his bloody footprint in our book that Tom and I are writing together. Mystery meat. Is it worse if it's a, like a like a boot print or like a barefoot on your plate? I think, 
Well, no, this is a, it's a Velociraptor's foot is what I was oh, talking about. But if okay. it could have been a bear foot, that would have been because if a bear it's a human it. hand on on the yes, the but it was plate. shaped. He did like the three fingers and a thumb. Yeah, it was, oh, like, I it thought was a it was the blood of a. Um, no. Oh, I missed this entirely. No, this no, is no, a no, raptor's no. weird toes. <laughs> they should have like saved the alligator dying. foot though. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. You thought it was like a shower curtain. Yeah. Uh, oh um, no, no. Yeah. Okay, that's. Honestly, I would vote for that too. Then now that I get it, <laughs> Sarah, was the Velociraptor stepped in your blood and then stepped on this fudge cake. Yeah, I was like, a man is dying, and he's like, my plate was what I thought. <laughs> it's not swan <Swanye>. yay. <laughs> All right, you guys, from zero to five, cow, from zero to five, how many cow pokes were in your posse this week? Um, okay, I, yeah, I am going to say one cowpoke in my posse because it started mm-hmm. with four cowpokes after the quick fire but and then three were mauled by dinosaurs after yeah the the dinosaurs ate most of the cowpokes with their shameless uh spawn. yeah i i was gonna go with with four myself mm-hmm. because i thought that the nigerian food thing was great and, you know, so far, at least from what we've seen, what is more Texas than disappointing corporate tie-ins? <laughs> it so does I'm, seem like I'm here for four. it does seem like a running thing. And also this season has been good quick fire, bad elimination for Texasness a lot of times. So I, I think this might be like as many cow pokes as we get. I still feel like probably and we have a Houston uh, letter here in a second, but um, I think probably that everybody from Houston will find this a little bit disappointing still. Certainly, I know the people of Houston are not like really excited for Jurassic World Dominion because nobody is. I don't know. Maybe someone's got to be. I'm making some assumptions here, but I'm not like. Yeah, it seems like a a, a sort of half-hearted sequel that they hope makes a lot of money, like globally. Yes, because it's big and shiny. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of think after COVID, nobody is asking for Jurassic World. You know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I mean, no one's not asking for it, and that's enough sometimes. Where it's like no one's saying, no one's saying like, "Hey, man, whatever you do, no more Jurassic World." I think people are, are Jurassic neutral. I think. I mean, I we, we I've seen a bunch of different versions of this joke, but it, it definitely, if there's one thing that COVID showed us is that after Jurassic World opened and killed a bunch of people, they would still reopen. <laughs> like we've learned that that criticism of the original movie that they would never reopen after those deaths it Turns proved totally wrong would. we don't yeah. we're not that worried about it yeah it's fine there's more people um what, i feel like my cow pokes wandered away like they maybe i don't know how many there were at the beginning but they definitely just got bored and left at intermission I oh think, yeah so. could not find oh. yeah uh, we're out of yeah. cow pokes Two, uh, everything's bigger in Texas, and dinosaurs <laughs> from right here are fairly big especially if they can eat an entire you know crab pot so yeah I did like being in the Natural History Museum, and I, like I've enjoyed museum challenges before. And I liked when they walked in and were like, "Wow, look at all these dinosaur bones!" Um, so that's fun. Okay. You know what? That dinosaur in the ocean mm-hmm. would have just gone and eaten like a whale or something. Why does it want those crabs? It has refined. <laughs> those taste. crabs are great. <laughs> Delicious. Well, but it's a big dinosaur. Well, no, but all okay. So good point. But also, there are unlimited crabs at the bottom of the sea. Why do you want the ones that are surrounded in a 800 oh, no, pound no, metal pot? This is concentrate. They're not just all hanging out in a big pile, right? Yes, they are. No, literally, that's how crabs are. They're in a pile. 
crabs totally. move around in a biomass on okay. it. They're like 30 crabs deep. They yeah, move in a pile, but, Ezra. Listen, but, think of this giant dinosaur with its big mouth. How is it going to be able to... He's going to eat lots of dirt and gunk off the ground. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to 80 going, pounds of steel and netting? Man. That's You need that. That's vital. Those are vital iron. minerals. That's, That's iron. Yeah. Garnish. <laughs> a multivitamin. Dirt is also, dirt. Like, also, it's not I don't a giant care. Jurassic worm. <laughs> also, Alex, I don't care how big you are, how scary you are. Anglerfish are scarier. You do not want to get oh, near those true. guys. Yeah, Deep the ocean, thing. they do oh. not mess around. Deep ocean is gnarly. All right. Um, let's jump into a quick remaining bit of... It's the mailbag. You can get in touch with us by sending us email mailbag at packyourmics.com and we appreciate everybody who writes into the show um first we got an email from uh christine titled houston thoughts i asked for it last week and we got some um hey y'all christine says appropriately um i finally caught up in the next episode and i'm excited to write to you about houston my adopted hometown that i love i think part of the challenge of conveying houston on the show is that houston is so many different things Yes, it's rodeo and high school football and brisket and oil refineries and um, the environmental racism that comes along with all of those things. But it's also way more diverse than I think anybody expects. And it's got to be hard to convey that on a TV show. Just so you have some context, uh, Professor Steven Kleinberg has been studying Houston for decades and said this, quote, no city has been transformed as fully, as completely, as suddenly, as irreversibly as Houston, Texas. Houston throughout all of its history is basically a biracial southern city dominated and controlled by in an automatic taken for granted way by white men in the space of the last 30 years has become the single most ethnically diverse major metropolitan area in the country. I love the night market and hope you hope you appreciated how huge H Mart was. Um, one of the Asian grocery stores they visited. Everything in te- is bigger in Texas. Um, I don't think I did appreciate that it was a giant H Mart. Yeah, I've been to H Marts, but that and in capital H Mart. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, some chef spottings. I was excited to see Irma in the Queso Quick Fire. Irma's is down the street from my office, and we go there a lot. Mm. Chef Kieran, who is a guest judge on the Asian Nightmark Challenge, is also awesome. Her restaurant, Kieran's, has some amazing vegetarian tallies, Ooh. which sounds great. And also, I like, I think most restaurants should just be the chef's name, apostrophe S, so that I can keep them straight. I think that's really yeah, nice. Really that's easy. For both of them. Um, the Historical Women Challenge was held in Brennan's, a Creole fine dining restaurant. Oh. There's a lot. Just like you guys were mentioning, yeah. there's a lot of Cajun influence in parts of the food scene here, and I wonder if that'll come up later. Um, thank you so much for the show. Y'all always make me laugh. Oh, well, thank you so much, sweet. Christine. Thank that was exactly for, what yeah. I needed. Expertise too. I, I yeah. really, uh, we really appreciate hearing that. And like, that's what I've. I, we have to go to our listeners to learn about Houston because Top Chef is again none of like it. doling it out. <sighs> this is making yeah. it feel like even more sure. of a missed opportunity of a season. Like yep. I understand that it's impossible to totally encapsulate a, a place, any place, in a season of television, but like. God, shouldn't they be trying a little yeah. bit more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think one thing, we've mentioned this before, but I do think more of this is under COVID protocol than we, than they're, because they didn't, they're not talking about it. In Portland, they were like, we're under COVID protocol. And in this one, they just see, they're like, we're always inside, but we're not telling you why. And I think that part of it is they're not going around town as much because of that, yeah. but they're not saying that. But yeah. didn't, the, didn't you feel like the Portland season showed portland a little uh, like more than say like the seattle season showed seattle like it feels like portland would be Mm -hmm. like a top half of showcasing a city an area yeah i mean i think i think on um 
on our final rankings, the Seattle season was a brevet and the Portland season was three and a half to four stumps. So yeah. I do think we thought more of Portland in their Portlandness. And so far, I would say this is probably like two, two and a half cow pokes. So I do think they have a long way to go to really get it all together. Pick it up. Yeah. 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 They got to pick and up those goals. It makes me think that they're not going to because at least because <laughs> they've had plenty of time and they're not trying yeah well right but if you think about the sort of the, the tourism mm-hmm. challenges those typically are pre-restaurant First wars half. they're typically team challenges lower stakes so that way you know nobody's like failing hard or, or there's less at stake for a hyper location specific one and then later they tend to be just more cooking qua cooking and they leave right they, they, they go to a yeah. second location yeah. after restaurant wars yeah yeah i think that is absolutely true um okay one more email i want to read this comes from bridget bridget is one of our experts in things bridget knows a lot of stuff i looked it up and there is in fact a jurassic quail it was made by a dude in australia who spent 30 years breeding quails to be bigger um (laughs) which is crazy a a Uh, thing you do (laughs) yeah have has anybody checked on him (laughs) (laughs) Like, I like that that's 30 years of basically just taking two quails and just like kind of like getting them closer together and just like, come on, guys, do your thing. <laughs> Playing some quail Al Green in the background. I I mean, but it's weird because we just have bigger birds. So it's like, why did we need to make the tiny bird big? What's the advantage here? So they don't overcook so fast. <laughs> so they don't stop saying Chef Teston's home. Yeah, yeah I, you're trying to make an easy you get the flavor but not this tiny little quail breast that overcooks in a span of 45 seconds. I mean, but so why not just make chicken? Right. Like, why did you have to turn a quail into a chicken when we already have chicken? Well, because he can't sell those. He can sell his patented, like, you know, super quail. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess if you're at the store, which one sounds fancier? Regular chicken or super Jurassic quail. Okay, so why not? Ju- okay, this, this is a great point, Chris. But why not just sell chickens as giant quails? Like all, you, there's so many things that you could sell in the store that are more you impressive. Know, you gotta call it I, they are different you know? flavors and things. Like that's the it's right. It's if you say a chicken is a giant quail, people say, "Well, this tastes like chicken, not squab well, that's or true. quail." But isn't that what they say about squab and quail? I and everything else? Isn't that what they say about everything? They taste like chicken, but they don't... Uh, uh, I, I haven't know. had it, so I, I can't speak them. for sure. No, but I think no, there's no, like no. a little bit more gaminess to quail and squab. Uh, like it, there is. There is. Um, I've actually... I've, I had them on my big last hurrah French meal before I stopped eating meat. And they do taste very different. And um, that's fine. Know. And I will never eat them again. <laughs> Sorry, birds. <laughs> Uh, back to Bridget. I was a bit disappointed in the dinosaur challenge. I was hoping for some of those big puppets that look terrifying or maybe Chris Pratt revisiting the show. Also, no mention that he was returning the show and that was weird and the last time was with Anna Faris. Okay, so we've covered this part pretty well. This is why I thought maybe this was new wife. Um, in LCK, I'm astounded that Sarah won there like people who have been dinged so many times for making pasta too fast in quick fires and she just said screw it and threw her dumpling in the deep fryer um, and like, it makes sense that they want to make something fast and hers was able to cook at that direct heat, but Joe wasn't, wasn't because of the oven. Um, small side note, this is what we, this is one of the, this is a bridge classic Bridgetism. You can stick your hand in an oven, but not in a deep fryer for the same reason. If they're both at three fifty. Yeah. Uh, so Tom was like, 
just looking out for her. And <laughs> it was weird that she wanted to put her hand in the fryer, Sarah. Come on. <laughs> but also the point being like it because if it transfers heat faster, you can cook it faster by throwing it in the fryer at the same temperature than throwing it in the oven at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think from uh, from watching it, I feel like Joe's might have been pretty bad. I think Tom might have been being kind of nice about because the, the crunchy squash is just not super fun. Yeah, an under roasted squash is going to be unpalatable. <sighs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I felt like even if he didn't love Sarah, I think he was like a little disappointed in Joe's dish. And so she wasn't going to she wasn't going to pull through. Yeah. This, um, this seemed like a last chance kitchen where both dishes had pretty clear mistakes. And Tom gets to go to his like, yeah. well, if you cook something improperly, that's the 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 trump card. Bridget's suggestion, yeah. by the way, for um, to help get that squash done faster was actually to throw it for, in the microwave for five minutes first and then put it in the wood-fired oven or the regular oven, which is a strange uh, – which is not like the most common thing to suggest on a Last Chance Kitchen, but it makes sense mm-hmm. as a way to start the cooking quickly but then still um, impart all the flavor later. So I think that's actually a really solid suggestion. Yeah. Actually makes it sound condescending. That is a very solid suggestion, Bridget. Um, somebody said this at one of the judges, and this is like a thing a friend pointed out to me like a little while ago that – people say a lot where they say actually um when they're like they're shocked that you did well and somebody at judges table was like this is actually really delicious like everybody's supposed to be delicious anyway so i'm trying to watch it in my own self that's why i caught myself right there anyway thank you so much for the email bridget it was entirely great not just actually great um all right before we go and, and by the way you can always send us email we love it um mailbag at packyourmics.com we're also on facebook and twitter okay before we go um let's talk about the future a little bit so we know Jackson is front of the house, and we know that next week is Restaurant Wars. Here we go. I, it did look like maybe one of those tragic everyone does bad Restaurant Wars, but maybe that was just the edit on the preview. Uh, yeah, it does. Whether they're asking the chefs to do too much in terms of decor or the space seems a little different than than kind of your your typical blank kitchen. Yeah, and they've got the they were doing the bar, like kitchen bar, and yeah, then also doing- a full restaurant. Right, right, right. And so I think they're they're they may be asking more of the chefs than is gonna be successful, but they're also cooking in an MC it. Escher painting, which seems difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you know, you know how to use I, the space, I just word it can make it more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's a stove coming down from the ceiling too. Sorry, Chris, I interrupted you for that. Oh no, 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 no. It's all good. I'm just I I I never trust the edit. Yeah, on you're right. Things. And so, you know, yeah, the service might be slow for one team or for one dish. Right. When is it not? Because you give them too much. One team is going to have a a very bad night, and I'm dreading the like restaurant wars. We we do love it. It's something to come back to, and it has like a it's it's a sub boss for the season. Yeah. But like, (laughs) like I'm just thinking back to the All Star season and how it was just like uh, Kevin's no good, very bad day. Like it feels like. It's yeah. nice to see people succeed, but it's also I think we see people like crash and burn as a team mm-hmm. as much, if not more than seeing teams like shine. And that that's the thing is we got to be ready for some friends to have a bad time. It's so true. Yeah. And I, I, I love Restaurant Wars because it shows us a kitchen brigade of yeah. like actually putting out food in a restaurant style. And um, we were talking about this the other day, Megan, but like it's Top Chef is 
closer to restaurants than most cooking shows. Most cooking shows, you're head to head 30 minutes, you're making two plates. Mm-hmm. And Top Chef is one of the few restaurants that's like or shows where it's like you have to make 30 plates or 100 plates or 300 plates. And then this one, they actually get to cook in a restaurant as a team. And it's I hard. love I love that part of it. It's yeah. a hard thing to do. And to expect them to do it well with no, like very little prep is. Yeah, this is the flip side. I love it. But also one of the things I like about the show is chefs succeeding. And this is not a high success rate challenge. So that's a bummer. Anybody else? Yeah, any... it, and... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I'm just trying to like reset my own personal expectations emotionally for Restaurant Wars because I think we have had some pretty good successes of late. But it seems like the the bar for Restaurant Wars is you got through it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it seems like it's a triumph if both of the both teams do like good, pretty good, food. yeah, to like pretty good food. Yeah. So like the fact that you know if if any team comes out with like amazing food, that's like you know new world record yeah because they're trying to do so much for the first time to work through a menu for the first time like it's it's hard and i think that point about this is really hard is is good to keep in mind and i'm i'm sort of guarding my heart with that yeah, a little yeah. Bit. I, these are both good good words of wisdom from chris so guard your heart and also the edit of the, or the preview is always a lie no matter what it's saying um lastly i guess for me is i feel like especially this week with the way things shook out if it's not Evelyn Buddha and Jackson in the finale, I will be shocked. Right? Yeah. I mean, they seem like they're just dominating. Yeah. Damar, I really am thinking he's he's gonna make a run here. I love Damar, and he he definitely had a couple in a row where he did great. And I I feel like we're not seeing as much of him when he's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but he's yeah, yeah, he seems like my fourth, probably. I'm not sure about Buddha. I think he's having a good streak right now, and maybe it'll take him all the way, or maybe this is his, you know peaking slightly early. early. Yeah. yeah. But those those beet flour things in that yeah. broth today looked incredible. I don't know if they tasted oh. good, but man, what a cool looking thing. Also, who else has gotten a nickname from a quick fire win? <laughs> a possibly good, possibly bad nickname. Yeah. He didn't even ask questions. He didn't say, cool, what does that mean? He was just I like, right? No, don't look a nickname in the in the mouth, right? <laughs> yeah. The uh-huh. other thing is, especially with Jackson and Buddha, like they just like their food a ton. And it's like the yeah. the inverse of what Luke's getting is like Luke is trying as hard as he can, and they don't like his food. He he <laughs> seems to be making mistakes, yeah. but like it, it it becomes that self almost self fulfilling prophecy with the judges, where like if they like enough early on, they expect that, and also are willing to sort of like see this as the spectrum of Buddha's journey, and like they like Buddha style food, and it's hard yeah. to like I, get that at the end of the season if you haven't built that base for the last six weeks. I'm, I'm so torn about Buddha because I, I agree that like based on, you know, I, I think I agree with you, Sarah, that it seems like maybe he has the potential to pee too early because if you were thinking about who is the most likely to hoist themselves by their own petard to like try to do too much to like sort of crash and burn in a restaurant war situation, it would be somebody who is overly technical. Who's like, you know, gilding mm-hmm. the lily at all times. However, Dude has never had a problem with time in the entire, yeah. which is shocking. Yeah, for his which talk. is shocking what he's doing. Yeah, so like I don't know. You know, I'm I, I really really don't know there. But I mean, um, also he has a very large like, petard, so it'd be easy to hoist by. I don't know what a petard is, but it seems like <laughs> <laughs> you want a big target there, like right? Scabbard, but oh, yeah, I don't know. I always thought it was like a halberd. I don't know. Interesting. What? Okay. And anybody? Anybody no, know? Here's here's the thing, audience. Nobody knows what a petard is. It's, <laughs> it's, it can't be known. 
Um, <laughs> it's a small bomb made of a metal or wooden box filled with powder. That can't be it, right? I can't. Um, I don't know if that's what you hoist by, but that is what a petard is. Um, hoist by your own petards from Hamlet originally, like most things. Yeah, the phrase meaning is that a bomb maker is lifted off the ground by his own bomb. What? So it's when you blow like... yourself up with your own little wooden bo- box bomb. <laughs> See, it should not... have been he was yeeted by his own petard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in that's in Hamlet too. I do like. I always pictured like Daffy Duck is you know when they're like Daffy Duck is fishing or whatever, and he throws the and he, when he casts goes to cast the hook goes back catches him on his back feathers, also known as a petard lifts himself up hoists himself that way by his own petard which is the back of a duck everyone knows that i get that that's, that's honestly what i pictured turns out it's a wooden bomb thanks hamlet you're welcome all right well i think that's gonna have to be the end of the show uh, everybody please uh please get in touch we like your feedback we're especially looking for all uh, Houston opinions since we're we feel like the show is underrepresented by Houstonians on Top Chef um, but we will not but it's, we will not underrepresent you we will give you all the representation you give us <laughs> I mean I did read all I read a lot of email I read I'll read the long one sometimes I go through and highlight parts beforehand to keep it svelte and today I forgot so I just read the whole thing so you'll get very well represented your opinion will be given with full context almost certainly Alex um, feel free to edit this out but, audience, if you say you're from Houston, we will read your letter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be fair, we're not not reading letters. Like, generally, we, we read, like, most of what comes in. No, we're shadow blocking you if you don't say you're from Houston. It's true. <laughs> but you, I'm, not, I'm not, like, geotagging them to see if they're really from Houston. I'm not double-checking anybody's Houston cred. Um, yeah, new game. Everyone pretend to be from Houston. We'll see if we can tell who's the real Houstonian. Um, Two Houston's and a lie. <laughs> also, if anybody is a literary agent and is interested in talking to Tom and I about our upcoming work, Mystery Meet, I think it's going to be good. Oh, th- also, if anyone out there is Tom Colicchio, <laughs> contact Alex. He, he's got a great book pitch for you, Tom. And, and Detective Tom the Chef is going to, one of his catchphrases is, a chef gave me something anatomical. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> it's, a great, it's not a great catchphrase. Not gonna, not gonna workshop that one. That's gonna just stay how it is. <laughs> um, uh, or his other catchphrase is surprise, no sauce. Oh, I think no. Uh, uh, an actual catchphrase is like, oh, I see some red meat right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're getting to the red, the, the real meat of this issue. Um, yeah, I, I this is gonna be a great book. So please, literary people, That's get in touch. A I'm happy. Spicy clue. <laughs> 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 all right we're gonna go thank you for uh for hanging out with us everybody thanks for being here uh sarah and ezra yeah yeah good luck on your easter egg hunt thanks for uh joining us new sarah and kyle oh we're happy to be here it's a pleasure and hey chris uh pack pack your yeah. pack your mics i'm so sorry uh just <sighs> you should have made a chicken because your quail was i tried I, I tried to keep it simple but the problem is you know you can't hide it's not hide. yeah you did keep it yeah, yeah you kept it very straightforward today and so there's no yeah. nowhere to hide your mistakes also those carrots were nothing like the movie Ugh. anyway uh thank megan you. thanks for hanging out thank you Alex. all right and thank you all of you we'll be back next week for restaurant wars talk to you then bye bye bye, bye.